the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. One, there are two reasons there have been no Republican or pro-Republican or pro-conservative or pro-MAGA riots or violence in Washington, D.C. since January 6th. One, Democrats who run Washington, D.C., from the mayor's office and city council to the capital structures and operations, have created a garrison military state of control there. Second, it's not anything like a normal or standard process for conservatives or pro Republican activists to violently riot. There is no conservative version of Antifa or BLM. There is no record of mass municipal violence or rioting on behalf of Donald Trump or the MAGA or GOP movements. It is simply an outrage that what happened January 6th happened, and it's an outrage that the Democrats have used it to create an imagery of an imaginatory, credible threat to our democracy from the right. Eight thousandths of one percent of Trump supporters were engaged in one day of that January 6th event. Eight thousandths of one percent. And none of them were recognized by any serious level of Republican or conservative. None of them were names we knew. None of them were people we knew. None of them spoke on behalf of our party or movement. None of them ever published anything. None of them helped cobble together anything like a coherent philosophy As for one example, the most well-publicized of the writers was until this year an environmental nut carrying signs that said such things as, quote, the poles are shifting, the ice caps are melting, this is Ragnarok, it's time to wake up, close quote. On the other hand, you have Antifa and BLM riots being denied, not denounced, denied, endowed, supported, rationalized and excused by major corporations, major liberal and democratic outlets from CNN and MSNBC guests and anchors to the president and vice president of the United States to the speaker of the House of Representatives. Such riots have led to the deaths of dozens. Such property damage is in the billions of dollars. Yet to this day, razor wire and National Guard troops have been used to weaponize not only Washington, D.C., but Washington, D.C. politics. The National Guard wanted to leave D.C. The Secretary of Defense overruled the head of the National Guard. The Capitol Police themselves are claiming there's no credible threat justifying the ongoing military presence in D.C. This is all the Dream Palace stuff of the Democrats, somewhat akin to Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez, who wasn't at any time under physical assault on January 6th, saying Ted Cruz tried to kill her. Meanwhile, riots in Portland have resumed. Because why? Why were they rioting last summer? Trump? William Barr? Well, then why now? Local reports state Portland has been the site of frequent protests, many involving violent clashes between officers and demonstrators ever since the police killing of George Floyd in Minneapolis in May. 
Over the summer, there were demonstrations for more than 100 straight days. The fencing had been installed in June in Portland to help de-escalate tensions between city police and protesters following Floyd's death, according to Fox 12 Oregon, but reportedly turned into a point of contention. Stay with me. Police said at the time that they recognized the fence had become a, quote, symbol of divide between the department and the community and that they would remove the fence to show, quote, our willingness to have a dialogue and peaceful communication towards starting the healing of our community. We are open and listening to discussions of how the community envisions its police and serve them in the future, the department said in a series of tweets. Quote, our hope is that the nightly violence and destruction around the Justice Center will stop and the focus can be directed towards peaceful conversation, close quote. Local and federal officials held conversations over several months to determine the best time to take down the fence. Department of Homeland Security told Fox 12 on Friday that the decision to remove the fencing on Wednesday was, quote, made in collaboration with local leaders from Portland as part of a broader effort to help return the city to normalcy, close quote. So the government is negotiating with the rioters. However, just one day after the fencing was removed, rioters marched down the streets of Portland, setting fires and smashing windows. They weren't talking to the white rioters, perhaps. Now, if I may, did anyone say the fencing and wire and troops in D.C. were points of contention or Because Nancy wanted it, Nancy just got it, and conservatives just kind of had to shrug and put up with it. There were no negotiations, certainly, between Republicans and Democrats on getting rid of the National Guard. Republicans have had nothing to say about it, but it gets better. Back to local reporting out of Portland. Thursday's violence in Portland was expected, with some business owners boarding up their businesses earlier in the day, OregonLive.com reported. At about 9.15 p.m. at Northwest 15th Avenue and Northwest Overton Street, some in the crowd began breaking windows and officers moved in to address the criminal behavior, creating a perimeter around the group on Northwest Marshall Street. Now, what's the most important sentence in all of the above? It's the same thing people forget but was absolutely true. You can still Google it. Businesses all across America in major cities boarded up and closed on November 3rd of last year out of fear of violent rioting. Violent rioting expected from the left if Biden did not win. Violence from the left was expected last year and again in Portland last week. I repeat, Thursday's violence in Portland was expected, with some business owners boarding up their businesses earlier in the day, as Oregon Live reported. It's a neat trick the left has played here, because we all just kind of expect left-wing violence, but we do so as if it's just common cause and part of the air we breathe and what's to be expected, whereas the Democrats are now trying to make the 1 January 6th event, the Reichstag, for all denunciation and censorship of conservatives. Meanwhile, and in some fashion ironically, we who expect the left to be violent and have known of their propensities for violence for years, decades, even as they win cultural victory after cultural victory, we have actually never tried to silence them, never tried to censor them. 
This notion of the council culture working both sides of the street or that conservatives also try to silence liberals, show me where. Few of us did not agree with the ACLU that Nazis had to write, had the right to march in the 1970s. A few of us do not think the lunatics who have part of the Westboro Baptist Church have the right to protest U.S. soldier funerals. But that, that ain't conservatives trying to ban liberals or leftists. That's conservatives trying to ban Nazis and lunatics trying to ruin family and military burials. Meanwhile, the left tells us Pepe Le Pew and Dr. Seuss are threats to our children and their emotional and gender and racial growth. But that same left, hosting the Grammys last night on network television, was happy, delighted, celebratory of an X-rated show starring Cardi B writhing in stripper's clothing with a stripper's pole to a song whose name I'm not even allowed to state on air, descriptive of the most literally obscene phraseology and noun one could conjure up. This would be the same Cardi B who, though he rationed interviews like a desert dweller rations water, Joe Biden sat down with to give a campaign interview with, because he thought it would gain succor in the black community for him. To say we tolerate and venerate pornography and censor and condemn Dr. Seuss is the kind of thing a decade ago would have been translated into what some would justifiably consider the end of a culture, the death of a culture. One might add to it that this pornography is seemingly okay with CBS, which airs the Grammys, while Sharon Osbourne, saying she doesn't think a former CNN host named Piers Morgan is a racist because he doesn't like Meghan Markle, has caused CBS to melt down and suspend the show Sharon Osbourne is on. Same CBS. My favorite part of the Osbourne contretemps is this. The show is called The Talk. Evidently, you just can't talk honestly at CBS or defend Piers Morgan when he criticizes Meghan Markle. My favorite part of the offending transcript from last week with Sharon Osbourne is this. She says to Cheryl Underwood, quote, educate me. Tell me when you heard Morgan say racist things. Educate me. Tell me, close quote. She was begging to understand what Piers Morgan said that was so racist or racist at all. Underwood responded to Osborne, quote, it's not the exact words of racism. It's the implication and the reaction to it. To not want to address that because she is a black woman and to try to dismiss it or to make it seem less than what it is, that's what makes it racist, close quote. So there it is. You cannot criticize a human being for doing something wrong or saying something stupid or lying if that human being is a member of a protected race, even if you make zero reference to that race. Morgan never said anything racist. It's that he criticized someone, and that person, that someone, happened to be of a protected racial class. Today, anyway, who knows what race will be more preferred and protected tomorrow. That's the problem with this race crap. It's all so arbitrary, just as racial categorizations and classifications to us have always been arbitrary. But then again, and I can't stress this enough, it's not the right making racial categorizations. 
It's the liberals and the left. And it's not the right condemning Piers Morgan, a liberal, or Sharon Osbourne, a liberal, or suspending a show called The Talk. It's the left. Meanwhile, CBS will get no sanction for putting the red light district into your living rooms. You see, living rooms have now been made emotionally and intellectually safe because the week before, we made sure that Dr. Seuss doesn't stain them anymore. This is wholesale madness and retail frenzy. It is the Ides of March. I'll close with Shakespeare and Julius Caesar, if I can still quote Shakespeare. Cowards die many times before their deaths. The valiant never taste of death but once. One wonders how much more valiance we have in this culture. You see, the fault is not in our stars anywhere. It's in ourselves. I'm Seth Liebson. We'll be right back. Welcome back to the Seth Liebson Show, 602-508-0960. Hope you had a good weekend. I want to thank Bonnie for the um, inspiration to uh, use uh, the Ides of March and uh, Julius Caesar's uh, assassination as the um, proscenium upon which I drafted today's monologue. Uh, Bill, um, we have a lot to do today. We're going to do it. And Debbie Lesko is going to join us in the third hour as well. Brandon Weikert in the second. How was your weekend? Did you catch up on any of those movies I told you to do? Or did you do anything interesting? I watched Rear Window. You did? How have you not raised that before? I hadn't watched it before last No, weekend. I mean before we went live on air. Oh, you know? yeah. I'd save it for radio, SIFR. And is it not a gorgeous movie? It is great. Gorgeous, well shot, well acted. Thelma Ritter, the home nurse, isn't she hilarious? A yeah, great character. And uh, lead trumpet in the soundtrack. Sure. Trump Maynard Ferguson, of course. No. Isn't it gorgeous? Absolutely. The lobster dinner from 21. The gorgeous clothes. The electric razor, which hasn't advanced since then, that you still Quite use. different, yeah. That's all you got. I watched Rear Window. I mean, it is a it, it's a blockbuster. That's all you got. The the ending was a surprise, at least to me. If you can think back to the first time you saw it, did you think that the neighbor would be really a murderer? Spoiler no. alert, by the way. No, no, I didn't. Yeah, me me neither. I thought it was going to be well. You know, we need to be more trusting. The guy was totally innocent, but he actually was a murderer. Mister Thorwald. Mister Thorwald. Yeah. Before air conditioning, huh? Oh, yeah, this laying outside in that heat wave. The Technicolor coloring. It's a beautiful movie. I've seen it probably 25 times. Nice. I don't know what movie I've seen more. Maybe The Graduate. Probably those two movies I've seen more than any other. And Jaws. Jaws, Rear Window, and The Graduate. Could you tell something about someone by their three movies they've watched the most? I think so. What would you say about me? knowing that the three movies I've watched the most are The Graduate, Jaws, and Rear Window. You like older movies. Okay. That's the best you can do. Am I wrong? I did. Yeah, you're wrong. I did a uh, 10K yesterday, since you asked what I did. Uh, what did you do, Seth? And uh, I ran with Hugh Hallman and Steve Moak Jr., the Kentucky woman's number one son, 
And uh, then we went to breakfast, as we always do, Hugh and I, after our runs. We go to Harlow's in Tempe. If people don't know Harlow's, it's probably the best breakfast restaurant in Arizona. Uh, you gotta, if you don't know Harlow's, go to Harlow's and say hi to the proprietor, John, for me. Tell him I sent you. It's a fantastic restaurant. I mean, the menu is one of those huge menus that has everything on it, like Cheesecake Factory. But unlike other restaurants, including that one, everything is fantastic. Fantastic. So I did that. Did you, were you satisfied with your time in Not the Not really. I was satisfied I finished. I lost two weeks of training. So I'll do better next time. There you go. Yeah, I did better than 43% of the entrants. Did that include Hugh and or Steve? Bragging rights? Hugh beat me. Hugh's a monster. Hugh, Hugh had eight-minute miles. I mean, he was a monster. Impressive. And as I said, I my training was off so due to a back injury. But I'm back now and in it to win it for the next time. So. Yeah. When is the next race? I've got to find one. If anyone has a suggestion, I'll do it. I love 10Ks. They're a lot of fun. Okay. Um, I got an interesting email from a listener here about um, my defense of the media. And I think his memory is wrong. He said about two years ago he called in. And talked about how problematic the media was, and I was a bit defensive about it. I, I don't have that memory. My memory is, and a line I used to use was, the media is a huge problem, but it's not the biggest problem. And I would often cite to the fact that in 1984, there was no conservative media to speak of. There were some conservative newspapers, I think. There was a Chicago conservative newspaper. Arizona Republic was still conservative in those days. No national conservative newspapers outside the editorial page of the Wall Street Journal. But there was no Fox News. There was no Internet, blogosphere, anything like that. And Reagan could win 49 states by going ahead of the media, over the heads of the media. I used to say things like that. Things have gotten a lot worse because in the effort to go over the – first of all, there are no conservative papers anymore not even the Arizona Republic. That's one. The papers have gone south, have gone left. Two, the national televised media cable and network has become more left-wing. It has moved from liberal to left. It has moved from Cronkite, if you will, to AOC, Cronkite to Joe Scarborough, uh, Cronkite to Don Lemon. That's that's the second problem. Third problem, going over the heads of the media, which Donald Trump took cues from Reagan over by using Twitter. Twitter just said, no, you can't talk. I have more to say about this because the Washington Post made a big doozy, a big one. And we have some things to say about that. So stay tuned. We'll get into that and everything else. I think we have our culture and economy update coming right up. And we'll be right back at you. 602-508-0960. Welcome back to the Seth Leibson Show. 34 past the hour, we do our culture and economy update with John Dabrowski from Grand Canyon Planning Associates. GrandCanyonPlanning.com is his website. 
The Word on Wealth is his radio show right here on Saturday mornings on 960 AM. J.D., how was your weekend? How are you doing? How's your Monday? Fantastic. Hey, I really like the music. Yeah. The music. And, yeah. yeah. Thunder I, Island by Andrew Ferguson. Pretty cool. I like no it. No relation to Maynard. I love that intro, that great clear guitar that yeah. just builds with instrument after instrument. Hey, you know, it's interesting, too, I, I and I can't even imagine that they're having uh, the awards, the Academy Awards this year, because I don't think anyone even saw a movie. So I don't know how anyone's going to win an award for that. Uh, I guess the Oscar nominations came out. I don't even know what they were for. I had to Google what that was all about. I said Andrew Ferguson. He's a writer for the Weekly Standard. I meant Jay, of course. But uh, did you watch the uh, did you watch the Grammys last night? No. Good for you. I, I don't watch any of them. Well, you were spared a, a yes. you were spared a, a pornographic display, oh an obscene display. Doctor Seuss is out, mm-hmm. but words, titles of songs I can't say on radio right. with gyrating pole dances. That's in. Is in. Yeah. Okay. I guess yeah. it's safe for the kids to watch because they got rid of the dangerous Doctor Seuss books. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 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 <laughs> All right. Do Marcus some Dick. economy yeah. for me. There's this yeah. big Fed meeting going on, and everyone's like waiting for Godot here to see what uh, Jerry Powell says on Wednesday, huh? Well, I mean, it's whenever the Fed's going to speak, it's always interesting. We want to know what's happening. Of course, the markets have been very uh, reactive to the Fed and the comments that they make because they hold a lot of power. They wield a lot of power with that interest, uh, with the um, with the monetary policy that they. Um, you know, push out there as well as uh, interest rates. Yep. We did see interest rates kind of flatten out. We saw the markets recover nicely last week. We see even today the markets were a little up and down, but overall, uh, generally fairly well today. The indexes, uh, the Dow and the S&P hitting an all-time high again. Several and, days uh, in a row now, Several right? days yeah. in a row, yeah. yes. So uh, a little bit of maybe the jitters have passed, but I just want to encourage people not to get too... Um, you know, setting their ways about this. There's still going to be some volatility throughout the year. There's no question about that. Uh, make sure that you're comfortable and confident with the investments that you have, and don't don't react um, emotionally when you see a market pull back. It, you know, that's all I could say. Okay. Um, the other thing in the news, um, John, is the housing markets. Oh yeah. Residential housing mm-hmm. um, market is on a huge tear. Yes. Biggest since 2006. People know that that did not end Mm -hmm. well, but they think it's different this time. Well, it is different. I I would say that if you remember back then, there were people financing, taking money out of their personal residence and purchasing other properties. And they were mortgaging themselves or leveraging themselves to a point that uh, it became unsustainable. And that is what we saw in the when the real estate market bubble burst back then. You had people who owned, owned four or five different properties, but they didn't have the income uh, to, to be able to sustain the payments on those properties. They were just expecting, we're going to hold this for a short period of time. The market's going up so fast, we're just going to turn around and sell it and make all this money. Or we're going to get a tenant in there, a renter in there. And uh, we're just going to keep building and building and building. Now, that's a great idea. But you have to have this the wherewithal to cover that debt in the event uh, something major occurs. And we saw, obviously, something major occur when the bubble burst uh, and all of the, fina- the, dis- the uh, uh, people out there that couldn't make their payments – People lost their jobs. I mean, it was it was a horrible thing that we went through. We see a little bit of that right now with uh, uh, the people who are not working because of COVID. However, 
um, the real estate market is extremely strong. It's different because the mortgage companies are now making sure that the people who are trying to qualify for these loans actually do have income and are qualified to be able to purchase these properties. That's the big difference. That's what's interesting to me is that the sales are going through the roof even while the um, conditions, criteria, if you will, to get those loans are tougher. That tells you something about the strength of the market. And it, all, it? Yeah, it also yeah. tells you that there's a lot of people working, Seth. Yeah, yeah. Because good point. if you're collecting unemployment, you're not qualifying you're not for gonna, a home. Yeah. Right? Yeah. So a lot of people are back to work. Things are looking better. Good Thank you, J.D. You bet. Securities and advisory services offered to Client One Securities LLC, a member of FINRA and CIPIC, and an investment advisor. Grand Canyon Planning Associates LLC and Client One Securities LLC are not affiliated. Right. The Word on Wealth, Saturday mornings on 960 The Patriot at 7 a.m. I love it. Thank Thanks. you, J.D. We'll Bye. talk to you tomorrow. Yes. 602-508-0960. We'll be right back. Love grows where my rosemary goes. The Washington Post. (laughs) Massive correction today to a story in January about the phone call between President Trump and the Georgia elections investigator Francis Watson. Do you remember this big story that Trump had told the Georgia Secretary of State Brad Raffensperger's office to find the fraud and that they would be national heroes if they did? Washington Post totally backtracking on that now, saying that's not what Trump said. Well, that's helpful. Um, but end of the day, Ariel Davidson is right. We've got to get her on. It's been too long. The Washington Post fabricating national scandals doesn't even get a shrug from me. What do we care anymore? Our media is lousy and unaccountable. They had years to get it together. Instead, they continued to hire 20-something activists from posh liberal arts colleges. It's kind of is what it is these days. They're just not media. They're just not journalists. They're propaganda arms of the DNC. And now the state. Fine. Just read them and be amused. Um, there is mm, hard to hard to put my finger on how I want to say this. Because. I'm instructed well by my producer, Bill, the last time I thought Bill Maher got it really right. And Bill said, yeah, but why do we care so much? And I guess the point is, you know, you're breaking through a little bit, a little bit when someone who has given a million dollars to the Democratic Party Do you remember that Bill Maher gave a million dollars? Yes, he did. When someone like that is scoring Democrats, that's one reason to care a little bit. There's another reason to care, and it's when he gets it better than anyone on our side seems to have been able to put it. And I got to tell you, this Friday monologue, I'm going to play it for you. He earned it. He deserves it. And, well, I just wish more of us spoke this way. I wish I did. Let it rip. You're not going to win the battle for the 21st century if you are a silly people. And Americans are a silly people. That's the classic phrase from Lawrence of Arabia when Lawrence tells his Bedouin allies that as long as they stay a bunch of squabbling tribes, they will remain 
a silly people. Well, we're the silly people now. Do you know who doesn't care that there's a stereotype of a Chinese man in a Dr. Seuss book? China. All 1.4 billion of them, because they're not a silly people. If anything, they are as serious as a prison fight. Look, we all know China does bad stuff. They break promises about Hong Kong autonomy. They put Uyghurs in camps and punish dissent. And we don't want to be that. But it's got to be something between authoritarian government that tells everyone what to do and a representative government that can't do anything at all. In two generations, China has built 500 entire cities from scratch moved the majority of their huge population from poverty to the middle class and mostly cornered the market in 5G and pharmaceuticals. Oh, and they bought Africa. Their new Silk Road initiative is the biggest infrastructure project in history, indebting not just that continent, but large parts of Asia, Europe, and the Middle East to the people who built their roads, bridges, and ports. If you want to go anywhere in the world these days, you better have a yen for travel. <laughs> yen for travel. Oh, stop it. In China alone, they have 40,000 kilometers of high-speed rail. America has none. Our fastest train is the train that goes around the zoo. <laughs> California wanted to build high-speed rail connecting the entire state, but alas, could not. We're six billion in the hole just trying to finish the track connecting the vital hubs of Bakersfield and Merced. <laughs> one small step for nobody, one giant leap if you're a raisin. <laughs> On a national level, we've been having infrastructure week every week since 2009, but we never do anything. Half the country is having a never-ending woke competition deciding whether Mr. Potato Head has a... And the other half believes we have to stop the lizard people because they're eating babies. We are a silly people. Even when we all agree on something, like getting rid of the penny. No, the inertia, the graft, the lawyers, the cowardice. Nothing ever moves. We see a problem and we ignore it, lie about it, fight about it, endlessly litigate it, sunset closet, kick it down the road, and then write a bill where a half a solution doesn't kick in for 10 years. China... <laughs> China sees a problem, and they fix it. They build a dam. We debate what to rename it. That's why their airports look like this. Beautiful. And ours look like this. Terrible. In San Francisco, it took 10 years just to get two bus lines through environmental review. The Big Dig, a tunnel in Boston, took 16 years. And don't get me started on my solar hookup. China once put up a 57-story skyscraper in 19 days. They demolished and rebuilt the San Yuan Bridge in Beijing in 43 hours. We binge watch, they binge build. When COVID hit Wuhan, the city built a quarantine center with 4,000 rooms in 10 days, and they barely had to use it because they quickly arrested the spread of the disease. They were back to throwing raves in swimming pools. Well, we were stuck at home surfing the dark web for black market Charmin. <laughs> we're not losing to China. We lost. The returns just haven't all come in yet. They made robots that check a kid's temperature and got back in school. Most of our kids are still pretending to take Zoom classes while they watch TikTok and their brain cells slowly commit ritual suicide. <laughs> As George Bush once said, is our children learning?
There is a progressive trend now to sacrifice merit for equity. Colleges are chucking the SAT and ACT test, and in New York, Mayor de Blasio announced merit would no longer decide who gets into the schools for advanced learners, but rather a lottery system. You think China's doing that, letting political correctness get in the way of nurturing their best and brightest? You think Chinese colleges are offering courses in the philosophy of Star Trek, the sociology of Seinfeld, and surviving the coming zombie apocalypse. Those are real, and so is China, and they are eating our lunch. And believe me, in an hour, they'll, they'll be hungry again. Those are, those are real college courses. Now, obviously, we can't do what a tyranny can do. You can't throw human people at a problem with slave labor and compete But the point abides, while we debate Dr. Seuss, they could give a hoot of Horton about Dr. Seuss. They're concerned about real things. What? Progress, building, economic growth. Yeah, they do it all the wrong ways. But while we're fingering and gazing at our navels over Pepe Le Pew, they're thinking about what's for lunch. Welcome back to the Seth Liebson Show. Rob, and surprise. Hey, Rob. Hi, Seth. I hope you guys had a great weekend. You Special bet. hello to Bill. Um, wanted to uh, mention my three most watched movies. One was the Day the Earth Stood Still, 1951 version, with Michael Rennie, Patricia Neal, and Locke Martin is Gort, by the way. Sam Jaffe was in it. Hugh Marlowe was in it. Just a classic movie, especially based on the context of the times that was there um my second movie was of course the godfather um my third movie and it kind of makes it tough but in a way i watched it this weekend casablanca so i guess i'm a hopeless sci-fi uh mafia uh reminiscing fanatic of some sort (laughs) i don't know that's interesting i wonder i wonder what we could i'll think about that the day the earth stood still that's an old Yeah, 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 sure. Uh, Patricia Neal, Godfather, and Casablanca. Casablanca's probably in a bunch of people's lists. Not mine. I like it okay. Um, Maltese Falcon I preferred for some reason. I liked the Maltese Falcon better. Oh, I did too. You did too? Yeah, I was was kind of torn between Maltese Falcon. It moved a little quicker, I thought. um, Probably, but the Maltese Falcon plot... It's very complicated. Yeah. And a lot of people don't necessarily know how to follow it. Whereas, you know, the day there's the still, well, Casablanca is pretty straightforward, I guess. Um, uh, the second thing, and, you know, you were kind enough to cut me off last, I guess, Friday maybe, about the conservative song. Um, I had a couple, and this, is, this one's for Bill. One is The Big Money by Rush, because it's about capitalism in a good way, sort of. And also free will, which a lot of people think, by Rush again, that um, it's more libertarian and Ayn Randish, and Well, maybe, but it's all about people being able to make up their own minds and have their uh, free choice. Now, importantly, though, um, I think there are several songs. Kid Rock comes to mind, but also, surprisingly, Metallica. Um, has come out with some conservative songs over the years, one of which is Don't Tread on Me, 
Queen's Reach is another rock band that come out with some conservative songs um, over the years. And uh, I think Bob O'Reilly from The Who, uh, which was a backlash against Woodstock and the hippie movement. That's um, a good point. People forget that. Yeah. That's a good point. Yeah. Rush is unfair because it's almost every other song <laughs> of true. Rush's because they were organized yeah. as a band to to kind of promulgate or disseminate music that 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 um that uh summarized their libertarian stances. So you're going to get a lot of Rush, but on conservative music the Bob O'Reilly's a good call. That's a great call, Rob. Um, let me think about the movies. Name three of your most watched movies and see what we can learn about you. Mine are Jaws, Rear Window, and The Graduate. I don't know that I like everyone knowing that because of what you can do with it, but there it is. We'll be right back.